Hey guys, you know, I'm pretty sure that this is, whoops, there we go. Pretty sure that we are live. Let's see what we have here. No, maybe not. Let's type something in here. Let's say John Maxwell, start over, Maxwell, Leadershift, Master Mind. All right, I'm copy that and I'm gonna put that in there. And we're gonna say, go live. Oh, and I probably need to turn this down. Well, let's see. All right, and yeah, sure enough, there we go. And uh, let me make sure I got the volume off. Shouldn't be getting too much feedback there. So I wasn't really intending to put this on my personal profile page as a live. I meant to put this on the Manana Nomas page as a live. But for some reason, the connection on Zoom to the Facebook pages has uh, been compromised. And I don't know if that's due to internet speed or, or what there. But uh, instead of being on the Manana Nomas page, I am here on my profile. So uh, let me go ahead and turn this down for you guys. Had a little jazz in the background. But um, um, it looks like it paused over there. So in any case, um, this is on Zoom. I am recording uh, most of this. And I want to make sure that I still have the main interface open for if people sign in. And so I put the, uh, I, I put it out there on, you know, just general invites, right? So on the Manana Nomas page, um, on the Resonate page with Olive Branch Community Church, uh, my profile page, my wife has shared it. Uh, Mark has shared this on um, capturing your, oh, now I forget what it is, capturing your power. And uh, that's his group, uh, Red Soul. Red Soul is the uh, name of the album that he had produced, and what a nice guy, man! I met him at the uh, met him at the Valentine Speaker, Author, uh, and Coach Summit, and it was such a great great time to meet everybody and and get along. And I wanted to make this fun. I wanted to make this interactive. I wanted people to sign in, and and you know, I know that this is a trying time. Everyone's going, oh well, the coronavirus this and the coronavirus that, and and just today I saw posts that any non-essential businesses in our area were shut down. So, you know, no gyms, no, I mean, schools are already closed, right? And then, but then to say all businesses are gonna close except for pharmacies and grocery stores and, and I think fuel, um, it's a little crazy. So I thought to myself, um, how can I add value? How can I um, bring value to people with a skill set that I have that fits the time that fits the the moment and and i wanted to have fun with it like i said so again i was hoping that people would take the invitation and, and jump in and join and and i plan on doing this in an ongoing way so 
whether people jump in and join now or people wait two or three sessions to jump in and join, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I don't know what this coronavirus thing is doing for you. I don't know what it's doing at, in your house. I don't know what it's doing um, personally for you as you're, as you're facing challenges in your day. But I do know that the way we have reacted as a people group, the way that, you know, and, and I'm not talking about the globe, I'm talking like America, okay? So like the way that we have reacted as a people group in comparison to the way that we've reacted to other, you know, outbreaks and viruses and, and things in the past, it's an absolute paradigm shift. You know, it's, a, it's an absolute change in the way that we're addressing things. And internally, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I mean, I'm still processing this stuff. And you may have noticed, you know, if you follow me on social, you may not have seen a lot of posts from me about political things, you know, Trump or Biden or any of these things, because I'm not an expert in that stuff. And I'm trying to be real careful about how I voice my opinions. And so I'm really kind of out to lunch on this whole coronavirus thing. Um, what I'm not out to lunch on, though, is the idea that now more than ever, our society needs leaders. We need leadership to, to step up and, you know, kind of even things out. And that's something that I feel that, you know, I feel that I have an advantage in. I've done a lot of study on leadership. I've done a, done a lot of study on, on leading people groups. And I wanted to reach out and try to inspire other people to feel um, gifted in this leadership example as well. And one of those gifts that I feel that I have is this love of John Maxwell. And I am so attuned with John Maxwell and his writings because I've been reading his stuff since, you know, 2006 or so, right around there is where I, I began to, to really follow John. And I wanted to become part of John's training team, the John Maxwell team, as early as I think it was 2011 that I was looking to do that. And it just didn't work out personally for me. It didn't, it wasn't something that me and my family could, could make a reality. And so I always regretted that. And then when I, I became the uh, national training manager for Ducati North America, and so that was uh, Canada, United States, and Mexico. And I was the trainer for Ducati. And um, economically, that took my family to another level, right? It took us from survival to almost thriving, right? Not thriving, thriving, but, you know, doing okay. And when I decided that I was going to leave Ducati, uh, I felt super convicted that I had to re-up that, that desire and that commitment to be certified with the John Maxwell team. So in 2016, I made it official and I went to Orlando and I joined in with 3,000 other people and I became one of the John Maxwell team members. And, you know, when you're going through a process like that, you, you put a lot of weight on it. You're like, oh, this is going to change my life. This is going to change me completely. And I'll be honest with you. It, it doesn't, right? It, it's, you know, you, you build it up and then you're like, it happens. And then you go, okay, now what? You know, and then it falls back on you. What, what are you going to do with that? So I had planned on being independent at that time. I was going to take power sports training independent to the masses and, and do my thing. And it didn't work out that way. Uh, Suzuki got in touch with me. They had a recruiter call me and they offered me a position and it was, uh, it was a raise in all aspects. I got to manage a team of people and I got to manage a team of projects. So well, it wasn't just power sports anymore. It was, just wasn't just motorcycles like it was with Ducati. It was motorcycles. It was automotive. It was marine product. And there was a team of people to manage rather than a solo department. And so 
that to me was part of my leader shifting. That was part of me uh, jumping in to develop myself. And now here we are in, you know, 2020. And I'm back to the idea that, you know, if I can't find a suitable position to replace Suzuki as they had some layoffs in January, if I can't find a suitable position to replace that job, you know, I'm going to be an independent trainer. I'm going to be an independent coach. And I'm going to try and lend the knowledge and the skill sets I have to others. But in that time, in that gap, while all this is going on, I thought, how can I add value to people, you know, without a commitment, without a tie, with just doing the right thing at the right time? And I thought that covering the John Maxwell uh, leadership book would be a really good example to do that. Um, I don't know if you have the book yet or not. I, in the invitation, I put the links to, to get the book through Amazon and it wasn't even an affiliate link. I really don't wanna make a dime on this. I just wanna help. And it occurred to me, there's no better time than right now to start talking to people about what leadership looks like. You know, like I said earlier, this is a paradigm shift in the way that our people group deals with this whole thing, this whole outbreak issue, this whole shutting down businesses. You know, think about it from the aspect of, let's say I got a small company and let's say I'm running a gym. Let's say I'm running um, Fit Body Bootcamp down in Corona, California. I know the folks down there, they're fantastic. And uh, I really like Maricela and, and the team down there. The coaches were great and, and I really loved going there. Um, but let's say I run Fit Body Bootcamp and all of a sudden the government says, okay, you got to shut that down. We'll shut it down for how long? Today? A week? Two weeks? A month? You know, how long am I not supposed to generate revenue out of my business? You know, and how long are the people that work for me supposed to take time off without being compensated? Or does the government expect the small business to compensate the employees in lieu of performing work, right? So there's, there's all these things that, I mean, they're throwing this out like, hey, shut this down. Okay, well, shut it down. And now what? Like, now what do you do? What's the, what's the repercussion or the after effects of that? You know, just a week ago, I'd seen on the news where they had said most Americans are not prepared to have a $500 hardship. Uh, if the car suddenly broke down, if there was a sudden illness, you know, and, and it was expected to cost $500, that most Americans are not prepared for that type of financial hardship. And so when you think about it in those terms, when you think about sending people home for a week, two weeks, you know, possibly without pay, you know, what does that turn into? How do you deal with the anxiety and the angst that, that could create? I mean, sure, if you've got some money in the bank, you could start, you know, scoping Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and start scooping stuff up cheap and, uh, you know, build yourself a nice little inventory for when the market comes back and start selling all your stuff for a profit. You could try that. But, you know, what if this is really a paradigm shift in, in how we deal with, you know, our current reality? And, so I thought, you know, I was halfway through this book um, prior to the outbreak. And I thought, you know, what a great book. You know, this thing is awesome. You know, and I've, and I've got all kinds of, I can't even see it in there, can you, in the camera? Yeah. But I've got all kinds of highlights in here and stuff like that. And I thought, let's, let's cover this. Let's talk about, you know, leadership from the standpoint of someone's already printed a book on this. And you know, I, I think that the, the content is fantastic and I think it's very apropos to the situation that we're going through right now. And uh, so let's do it. Um, there was a video that John Maxwell had, and I'm going to try and do a screen share on that. And let's see if that works. I would love to see if I can do that on a Facebook Live. Let's go to, 
screen. Uh, Facebook, is it here? No. It's this screen. Yeah, let's try it. And here we go. Let's see if this plays for you. Hoping it does. This is a new experiment. So let me define leadership to you. A leadership is the ability and the willingness to make a leadership change that will positively enhance organizational and personal growth. In other words, a leadership allows you to take yourself and your company to a higher level. Yep. I was recently doing a conference for a company, and I, in a pre-call, we were talking about their theme, which was fast forward, and they asked me, John, what do you think fast forward means? I said, well, I think fast, is, <laughs> fast forward. I look at fast, uh, the future is going to be faster than it is before. There's no question. Yeah, we're going to talk about this. I'm waiting for things to slow down. I tell them, well, you're going to have a long wait. They're not slow. So fast is faster and forward is shorter. I remember when I started leadership, uh, really, to be honest with you, a long-range goal was 10 years. A short-range goal was about two years. A medium-range goal was kind of in the middle, about five. Today, if you had a two-year two goal, it would be a, a, a long, long, long-term goal. You see, forward yep. is getting shorter and faster is getting why do I say that? The reason for leadership is to help people make that fast change so they can take advantage yep. of all the things a leader needs to know and do to allow that person to build himself and the organization in the way that they truly want to grow. Yeah, I wanted to share that with you guys. Now, the reason I wanted to share that in, in that way is uh, what better way than from the author of the book to hear what his goal was in writing the book and, and what he was thinking with leadership. And leadership isn't just about adapting to change, it's how you adapt to the change and how quickly you adapt to the change, right? And those, those are two completely different things. I wanna take you back to um, when, I, when I, I used to run a company called Manana Nomas out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And as a contractor, I was training uh, dealerships that had Ducati product. So Ducati had hired me as a contractor to teach service writers and service managers how to run their service departments better, okay? And that was going really, really, really well. I, I thought it was fantastic, actually, to be honest with you. And, and I know I'm clapping my own horn there, but um, sorry for the camera, by the way. And then uh, the position had come available for me to become the technical trainer full-time working for Ducati. And I was tasked with the idea of taking a contract provided program into a, you know, an internally provided program. So what was that going to look like? Right. And so I had to figure that out and it was just me. It wasn't like there was a team of people at the time. So I, I had to figure this out. How am I going to deliver this much content to this many, you know, to, to this many people Pardon me. They were currently, uh, currently back then they were, they were training, you know, this many technicians. And I knew that we had to train this many technicians and I had to think, how am I going to train that many people that quickly? So what I did was I created an online training portal that handled basically all the theory that a technician needed to know to work on the motorcycles. And I put that theory into an online portal. 
and it was uh, mandatory, you know, pre-required work. So the guys would have to do the work online and at least get the theory into their heads before they would go to a class. And then I would have these instructor-led courses that were one week long. Now, the previous model, the contractor model before I took over, was a two-week training program. So they had level one and level two. And what I did was I had an online version and then an in-person version. So when the technicians would show up on the first day of training, we would do orientation and some icebreakers and try and make people feel comfortable. And then I'd give them a test, right? Here's your written test. If you pass this test, you get to stay in the class. If you fail this test, class is over and you can take another shot at it down the road. And I got to tell you, the first couple of times that I did that, you want to talk about a paradigm shift in approach, people lost their marbles. The first couple of times you got to send a technician home. And remember, these aren't people that are local. These are people that have flown you know, across the country to do something. And so the first couple of times that I had sent people home, um, you can imagine you know, the kickback, right? But I had formulated a five-year plan, and I knew, looking at the numbers of who I had to make an effect with, I knew how many people I had to train, how many dealers we, we had to um, share information with, and I knew what the outcome would be to meet the requirements of sales and servicing those sales units if sales met their goals, right? And so I know that I'm throwing a lot of information out, you know, that might not apply to you. You might be listening to what I'm saying. That doesn't make any sense at all. But, but here's what I'm trying to communicate. I had made a five-year plan based on projected sales results that the sales team was looking to get. And I knew what service would have to provide based on those sales projections. And so based on that information, I created this program. And it was an absolute paradigm shift. People did not really know how to react at first. And there was a lot of kickback. And then when the quality of technician had been elevated. When, when people were leaving class and able to functionally work on motorcycles, to be able to hold a multimeter and diagnose an electrical concern, or to you know, recognize you know, how to adjust the throttle bodies on a Diavel or something, right? When, when technicians could leave class and be functionally more productive, more effective, and more profitable, then people saw the value in it, okay? But the value wasn't seen at the beginning. The value was seen after results had been made, right? So hopefully I'm trying to make some sense out of this for you. Now, what do you think happened at say the two and a half or three year mark? Well, right around two and a half or three years, I realized I had already hit my five year goals, okay? That's like a really hard thing to communicate to people in a business mindset, you know, especially upper management stuff. And I've got an open window here I wanna close, bear with me, there we go. And I'm gonna close that too, all right. And so, um, you know, upper management's like, what's next, what's next, what's next? And it's like, I already hit the five-year plan, you know, now we've gotta maintain this thing and we've gotta keep it going and, and make sure that the rest of the network, you know, gets up to speed. Cause while I may have hit my plan, the rest of the network still had to conform, still had to meet the requirements, right? So we were kind of babysitting that program and then trying to think of, okay, if we put in a master program, what's a master program gonna look like? And so I started writing a master program for Ducati so we could you know, move further and, and farther with our training product and make a better technician to work on our customers' products. And so I was really focused on that. Now, management at Ducati didn't exactly see eye to eye on some of the some of the things that I was up to, but it was really important to me 
that I could take the snapshot of when I started and take you know, another snapshot at the one year mark or the 18 month mark and then the 24 month mark and take a look and go, okay, here was our goals, right? We wanted to have, you know, we were this many technicians being trained every year. Then we got to this many technicians trained every year. We had better retention of technicians. I mean, it was all kinds of stuff was making sense. And, and so on paper, it was winning. And by results based on customer satisfaction and based on dealership sales numbers in the service department, it was making sense. So fast forward, fast forward, like John said in the, in the, in the interview, I went to Suzuki with a very similar mindset. I went into Suzuki and I looked at what they were doing and I made myself a mind map. If you're not familiar with mind maps, it's, it's kind of a graphical thing. It's plotted all over the page. You know, there's, there'd be a center point that has something on it and then something shoots up and then something shoots up and then something shoots down and something shoots down. And, and these could be like the quadrants of what you're going to work on. And then each of those has an offshoot of things that, that you would, you know, of the details. And so I made this giant mind map of what I thought the publications and training department pardon me, should do it Suzuki. And again, within three years, um, anything that the corporation had the appetite for me to do was pretty much done. We had redone the uh, user interface for the e-learning. We had uh, stripped out a lot of content on the motorcycle training side that was outdated that didn't really make any sense. We had restructured, rewritten the Marine training program. And we were actually working on a new master Marine training program when I left the company in January. And so again, I take a look at a five-year plan and it starts to you know, really gather itself up and come almost to a close after three years. And that's part of what jumped off the page, long way to get there, kind of what jumped off the page with the John Maxwell leadership stuff. And that is things are going so much, there goes the camera again, things are getting so much faster than what they used to go at. Um, guys that used to road race with me, right? And I know that I'm old and I'm slow now, but I can remember I took like a six year hiatus when I used to race with a MRA out in Colorado. And it was my birthday one year. Can't remember what year it was now. I feel like an idiot, but it, I'm old, right? So I think it was, was it 89, 80? No, no, it was 90, 96, 97, something like that. And I went to the racetrack on my birthday and I was at Mead Raceway, right? And, uh, and uh, they had an area right there. There was like turn one, turn two, right after the start line. And you could watch there. And I was spectating and I saw the bikes come out of the last turn, come up the front straight, and dip into turn one. And when they went by, they were like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> people that were at the track with me were like, wow, you used to do that? And I was like, I would never go that fast. I can't believe how fast those guys are going. I never went that fast because I raced in the 80s, right? And so, you know, I raced when a 600 made 60 horsepower, right? And a 1000 made 95 or 100 horsepower. And then at this time, bikes were making, you know, a 1000 might make 130, 140 horsepower and 600s are making over 100 horsepower, right? And so, and it's a much different picture today. So it's, it's even a much bigger paradigm shift in the racing world. But so I'm watching these bikes go flying, going right by. And the guys are, you know, knees on the ground, they're scraping through the corners. And I'm just in awe of it. I'm like, wow, this is so fantastic. This is amazing. This is so cool. It's like, every time they went by, I was like, you know, I was just so excited. And I got back into racing and I thought, well, I'll never be as fast as those guys. 
and then uh, Doug Vickery had sold me a YZF750R, had a lot of updates on it, and it was a pretty fast bike. It had, had a lot of cool stuff on it. And before you know it, I'm running that same racetrack in under a minute. And I'm one of those guys that's going as fast as, if not faster than, the group I had seen a year or two before when I had taken that hiatus from racing. And it's because we don't recognize change when it, when it happens incrementally. And that's something that we need to focus on. You know, a good leader needs to understand, you know, the snapshots of, you know, where you start, where you're going and all of the little steps in between. Right. And so that's part of what leader shifting is about. It's like, how do we speed that up? How do you see something before other people see it? How do you act on something before other people are willing to act? And how do you steer an organization or a group in the correct direction, knowing that those changes are going to come at a much more harried pace? Now, I know I kind of liken that to like road racing, but I mean, think of all these different things, like whatever sport it is that you follow, you know, pitchers pitch the ball faster than they ever have. Bicyclists pedal faster than they ever have. Uh, you know, downhill skiers go faster than they ever have. Like everything continues to raise in its performance level and being a leader is no different. We have to raise our performance level. Um, when I was reading the book, because <laughs> we are supposed to be talking about a book. When I was reading the book, there were certain things that really popped out at me. And one of the reasons that he wrote the book Leadership is because as he had written about leadership for so long, he started thinking about, you know, back when in the 80s when people talk about management, right? So it says management systems and processes tend to be linear. They assume that similar inputs will result similar outputs. In many situations, this holds true. And that makes me think about my experience in going to Japan. When I went to Japan, I saw workers that like might have worked with motorcycle and then someone in higher, you know, higher position goes, oh, you, you're going to work with cars now or you, you're going to work with Marine now. And it, I didn't see them putting people where they needed to go. They made an assumption that, you know, if they just put another body in that position, they'll get this much more output. And unfortunately, when you're dealing with people, that's not always the correct equation. So I like when it gets into leadership. It says leadership, however, requires a more nuanced view of the world because it involves people, what motivates them, what their interests are, and how engaged they become. Mechanical systems may be linear, but as soon as the human element becomes involved, the system becomes both complex and adaptive. And when I read that paragraph, like right in the opening, you know, couple of pages of leadership jumps off the page at me. It's like, why have I become this person that's able to work with people groups? Why have I become this person that's able to cast a vision and have people follow me to get to the end? And I think it's because I've focused more on leadership than managing, right? Like managing is like, I've got a bunch of tasks and I'm just going to split them up evenly and put everybody to work. That's management. Leadership is I've got a group of tasks and I need to assign those tasks in a way that fits each person specifically. And if I don't have people that those tasks spit fit specifically, I may have to take the leadership role and get those done myself and become the example for others to grasp onto them, to take over, right? To delegate at a later date. So, um, you know, he talks about the fast, you know, fast is faster and forward is shorter. He covered that in the video that I shared with you guys. But one thing that I, I liked, and it talks about speed. In the book, he talks about how a cheetah hunts a gazelle. So um, 
and and it's not just speed like how fast can a cheetah go right cheetah can run at 60 miles an hour right it says cheetahs can run as fast as 58 miles an hour and their average speed is 33 okay but here's something i didn't realize about a cheetah so how does a cheetah catch an antelope is it because it can run at a straight line 58 miles an hour and tackle the antelope no that's not how the cheetah actually catches the antelope um Cheetahs are very quick to adapt. Um, they can make really sudden, fast changes in their trajectory, in their, in their direction of travel, and in their speed. I wasn't aware of this until I read it, but it says that a cheetah can slow down by as much as nine miles an hour in a single stride, right? And so if you think about a cheetah's running 58 miles an hour, and he can slow down nine miles an hour in a single stride, well, that's a huge percentage of deceleration, right? And he's able to pivot and change direction quickly, which helps him catch his prey. And so, you know, I'm not saying we all need to be hunters and killers, but it's talking about the ability to make sudden, quick changes to get the right outcome. And remember, at the beginning of, especially in the video there, you saw John say that leadership is about leading an organization. It's about leading a group of people, but it's also about personal development and personal leadership. So if you're on this call right now, or if you're looking at the replay and you're saying, how, how does this apply to me? I'm not a leader. Well, <laughs> if you're in the same belief and faith system that I am as a Christian, um, we're all called to be leaders of one way, shape, form, or another, right? So, so I, I would project that to you as one. But remember that John's also talking, you know, as far as anybody that's concerned reading the material, it's about personal development as well and how you lead yourself, right? Personal leadership is one of the hardest things to do, right? It's often easier to look at deficiencies in others or help correct others. And it's one of the most um, harrowing things to do to try and correct yourself. So that's a whole other, whole other paragraph. Um, as it goes further and further into the book, it talks about, you know, how does a leader do more than just hang on and survive in such an environment? And it's talking about when things change, right? The key to learn how to continually make leader shifts. What is a leader shift? It is an ability and willingness to make a leadership change that will positively enhance organizational and personal growth. Exactly what he said in the video that I shared with you guys. Um, goes through some more uh, text, obviously. And then it says, good leaders adapt, they shift. And that made me think about what we're doing right now with this coronavirus thing. You know, people are going home, right? Uh, they close schools. And I can remember just this week when they were closing all the schools down, um, they said, oh, we're going to go online. You know, we're just going to take all of our stuff online. I make e-learning systems. I make um, learning sites, you know, on the internet. People can sign in. I can track all the students, you know, the, the like what I did for Ducati. I, I used a rather uh, simple version for Ducati. That was years ago. Uh, with Suzuki, I made another learning management system for them, and that was to train dealers on how to be better marine dealers. Um, and I can make these these sites for for other companies. It's, and it's a passion of mine. I love to do it. It's it's a really fun thing to do. But. Um, when I was thinking about we're going to take our stuff online, what are these companies thinking? Like <laughs> if I'm a distribution company and I send everybody home and I go, Oh, we're going to put everything online. How are they going to put everything online? What do they have set up? I mean, 
their employees might be able to access a shared drive somehow and, and share some files back and forth. But what really are they putting online? Do they have employee process and procedural manuals that people can access and see what they're supposed to do if they're working remotely? Uh, largely, that answer is no. Do they have training content that's online that their staff can access? You know, private stuff, not, not that the whole world sees on the internet, right? But, but a private intranet site that their staff can get on and train in a certain position or a new position or find a promotion through work that they do remotely. And I would say, no, that answer is no, right? People aren't prepared for this. And so uh, as someone that considers themselves a leader or someone that's open to leader shifting, I would say, you know, I would love to help people with that. And let's be clear, it's not all about making a dollar. I mean, it's great if I can sell services and make money, but if I can add value to somebody and point them in the right direction and maybe help them help their employees or help their, their, you know, the culture in their group, uh, it's well worth my time and it's worth the phone call, right? So um, adding value to people, especially at a trying time like this, I think is, is more important than turning the dollar. Um, dollars come, right? The, the more you help, the more you grow your community, the more profit you're going to see down the road one way or another. You know, the money follows when you do what you need to do. And so uh, when I think about all these announcements this week, especially with the schools and the kids and stuff like that, if you're not set up to, to handle this stuff, get in touch with someone, it doesn't have to be me, but get in touch with someone like me that has that online ability to build a learning site or to take stuff online or build a communication system that's an intranet that's membership driven, you know, that locks the rest of the world out to see what you're discussing online. And you can secure it and you can do all kinds of stuff, you know, in the background to make it fit your needs. But to just send people home and dismiss it like we're going to take all our stuff online, that's a pretty broad statement if you're not set up to do that. And so that was one of the things, right? It says, in the face of uncertainty, people who conform pull away to a safe place to protect themselves. Okay? And you've seen that. People have withdrawn. People have just kind of just gone home and, and just sat at home, right? Netflix and chill. Um, it says, adaptable leaders who make leaderships lean into uncertainty and deal with it head on. And I'll tell you, I'm connected to some really fantastic people online. I mean, the Jake Ballantyne uh, speaker, authors and coaches group is fantastic. Uh, Chris Badgett over at Lifter LMS, remarkable. Uh, Adrian Toby at Groundhog, another person that I really look up to. Um, I haven't seen much from, from, uh, from John lately from WP Tonic, but I know that he's active and he's one of those people that I know is a forward thinker. And these are all folks that I know of that have the leadership ability to help communicate uh, options. Like if you're new to working remotely, working from home or making electronic tools work for you, you need to connect with people like that, that you know, if they can't instantly inform you how to do it, at least they can calm your spirit enough to where you can go, okay, I got this, I can figure it out. I just gotta slow this down a hair and I can make this work. I know I can make this work. You know, I look at what other people do and I go, well, if so-and-so can do it, I can figure it out. And then I kind of reverse engineer and figure out how I'm going to educate myself. And that works really well, you know, for the most part. Um, it says here, if you want to be a successful leader, you need to learn how to become comfortable with uncertainty and make shifts continually. Um, I will tell you, you know, uh, being called into a room at 930 in the morning and told that your job is over, that's one way to make a shift continually, right? <laughs> like, uh-oh. So, you know, for me, I had to take my stuff online way back in January 
it's like, I've got a learning site. I've got content. I focus on people that are power sports and Marine service writers and service managers. I have an audience, I have a niche and I have a super awesome product that I can share with those people. Now the hard part is I've already got the product. Now, how do I sell it? Right? How do I, how do I get people to see or know what I have available? And that becomes the next challenge. And so I work with, you know, email management software and CRMs and, and, and you have to learn and build all this stuff as you go. And your messaging is so, so super important, but you know, it's trial and error and you kind of have to either befriend somebody that's in the battle already, or you have to go into that battle yourself and figure it out through trial and error. And unfortunately the trial and error way uh, can be expensive, time consuming, and can put you way behind the eight ball. So I really advise, make some friends that do this stuff. Again, if you're one of these companies that said, man, we're gonna send everybody home, don't worry, we're gonna take everything online. Man, if you're not already online, you, you got a steep climb in front of you and you gotta hit the ground running, man. You gotta get out there and make it happen. I was thinking this week, I knew the gyms were gonna close. And today it was official. They said, oh, you know, gyms have to be closed. But it made sense. Like you can't just go to a gym with 12, 15, 50 other people, sweat all over the stuff and think that, you know, they're going to let that stay open. And so I had put an outreach into two local gyms here. Uh, I shouldn't mention them by names, so I probably won't. But I had reached out to both of those gyms and said, look, I'm someone that had lost a bunch of weight and I succeeded in keeping the weight off. And because of that, I created an online property and a community that inspires people to maintain weight loss after a weight loss program. If you would like, I can also add content to that where we can do live sessions from your empty gym that shows people how to work out at home. So if you have members that are in a six week weight loss program, wouldn't it make sense to, to still do the weight loss program from your studio and then invite people to participate from home, maybe even offer some free memberships, but, but keep a community of people going and, and try to inspire them through fitness and win them over in the long run because that relationship and community is like your savings account for the future. That's where your future sales are gonna come from. And so I've already reached out to these gyms and said, hey, I've already got this you know, 80% of the way set up. The only thing I'm missing is the workout at home portion, which we would do with your trainers in your studio and, your, you know, and film that there and then add that content to the site. And so it's about leadership, right? It's about witnessing what's going on and then finding a want or a need and finding a way to fill that want or need. And unfortunately for many right now, the only way to fulfill that want or need is online or to do something virtually. And that's a new world for a lot of folks. So again, I've beaten the horse, but find someone that knows how to do that, right? And it doesn't have to be me, right? Obviously, if everyone that watches this emailed me in the next 15 minutes, I wouldn't be able to answer everybody at once, right? But there, there's plenty of sources out there. And if you need a referral or you want someone that's local to you, uh, send me a message and I'll see if someone in my network is, is in your region that's able to help you. I think that would be a, a certain thing to do. Uh, back to the book here. It says, uh, you cannot be the same, think the same, and act the same if you hope to be successful in a world that does not remain the same. The reason I'm covering this book is because this stuff jumped off the page at me as I read it. And then when the coronavirus hit, I flashed back to it and I went, wow, that's so timely, right? I'm going to read that again. It says, you cannot be the same, think the same, and act the same if you hope to be successful in a world that does not remain the same. And that to me is, that, that's just huge. Um, 
It says you have to deal with the tension between the stability that gives security and the adaptability that opens up opportunity. Anytime that there is a paradigm shift or a disruption in how things are dealt with um, culturally, anytime there's a, a major change in, in, in thought processes, there's also opportunity, okay? So instead of beating yourself up or hiding in a hole right now going, oh, woe is me, what am I gonna do? I can't believe it, I'm not gonna make a paycheck for three weeks and, and starting to you know, let that wear on you, I'm gonna try to inspire you now to you know, knuckle down, man, and start to think, what am I passionate about? What do I like to do? And I don't wanna sound like Gary Vee right here right now, but you know, what are you into? You know? Maybe people have stuff listed that you can flip. Maybe there's some training that you can do. Um, I build my own learning management systems and they're self-hosted in a WordPress environment. Um, but maybe you don't have that skill set, and maybe you don't have the money to hire a guy like me to do that. But you might have enough money to get yourself a Kajabi account and put a live course into into Kajabi. And then Kajabi has, you know, and if you're going to go the Kajabi route, I would really recommend you to go find a guy named David Gambrill on Facebook. Uh, David has great content, and he's a really big Kajabi supporter, and he's got, you know free trials and access codes and all that stuff that he can share with you through the Dave Gambrell uh, network or Dave Gambrell page that he has on Facebook. And uh, he's really, really good at the Kajabi stuff. Again, Kajabi's not for me. I use a different product. Um, but there's so many of us in this space and there's so many of us that could help you um, get up to speed quickly and help you leadership that, you know, if I think of them, I'm going to share them with you. And I'm not worried about losing the business because in theory, there is so much business to go around as far as consulting or, or leadership coaching or any of these things. There's so much of that available that for me to share with someone that might be more regional to you or, or, or meet your needs better, um, that just becomes the right thing to do. So in that situation, if you don't have a, a budget to hire someone to make a site like I would make for you, uh, you know, certainly look at Kajabi as, as an option. and then hit up someone like Dave Gambrell to get you a discounted access or an affiliate access to that product. I'm sure that he would like the recommendation as well. Uh, next page in leadership, I got up to page 10 here. And um, he was talking about uh, mind the skills gap, right? Lessons learned in, in school can become outdated before, the, before student loans are paid off. This to me is huge. It says to quote a Harvard Business Review's mind the skills gap, the lessons learned in school can become outdated before student loans are paid off. As it points out, the skills college graduates acquire during a bachelor's degree that used to provide enough basic training to last a career today have an expected shelf life of only five years. That blows my mind, right? But I think about what I do online. You know, I can't even buy a book. I can't go to the library and check out a book for the stuff that I work on online. You know why? Because no one's written it yet. I'm still communicating with people that are making the code for the products that I use. Like if I have a problem with Lifter LMS, I reach out to Chris. If I have a problem with Groundhog, I reach out to Adrian. If I have a, you know, a question about a Kajabi product that I might've put a customer into, I'd reach out to Dave Gamble. Uh, you know, there, there's people that have become like little keystone experts in these different areas and the books haven't been written yet. Things on the internet are changing at such a fiery pace that it's not like I can just run to the library and look it up. 
and it's the same way for this information that's being pushed out to the colleges. You know, I was on the advisory council at Motorcycle Mechanics Institute, which I think is a great school. Um, the, the setup itself, um, the idea of paying somebody, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to become a motorcycle mechanic and to go to the school and to buy tools and to come out with debt, I, I don't like that, right? So I have to be very transparent and honest with my opinions about that. But if you're someone that's a student that is looking for a way to go to a school and get that education and you don't mind, you know, investing at that level, what you can learn at MMI is really fantastic. You know, you learn how to diagnose electronics with a multimeter. You learn how to mount tires. You learn how to, you know, work on suspension, rebuild engines. And there's all of this stuff, right? There's all this stuff that they can teach you at MMI. But when you get done after a year and you go to a dealership to get a job, you have to be able to function at that job. And that's something that's not really well taught in these environments because how do they, how do they duplicate a real work environment in a school setting? I mean, they try, but it's not the same. And so time and time again, working for the OEMs, I would go visit dealers and I would see a new graduate from MMI and I'd, and I'd say, hey, how you doing, man? Oh yeah, I know Joe and I know Mike and I know the guys and how's this going and, and, and all that. And these guys really couldn't function well. They didn't have a grasp of what the job really entailed and they were struggling to earn enough money because it's a commission-based job to be a mechanic in most situations. And they were struggling financially to stay ahead because school hadn't prepared them well enough. And when you take a look at this whole mind the skills gap thing, you know, that's super, super important. I, I need younger people to understand that all the money that they can spend on schooling and all that stuff, nothing really replaces, you know, jumping in, getting your hands dirty and getting a job done. And you can learn so much from being in the heat of it and putting things together. Um, <laughs> uh, he quoted a guy uh, from lynda.com, right? It says, or as lynda.com author Mark Neiman Ross states bluntly, in four years, you'll have to relearn 30% of your job. And so this speaks to me from a very positive way. I, you know, when you read these quotes, you're real tempted to go negative, right? You're tempted to go, oh, what a waste of money. I can't believe schools are ripping people off like that. And you're tempted to go down that road. But from a leadership perspective, right, being professional and, and being a leader and thinking ahead and trying to be ahead of the masses and making decisions, you know, don't think of it as a negative, like, well, if I hire this kid straight out of college, I'm going to have to retrain 30% of his job in four years. No, you know, you should be training your people continually anyway. You know, per personal and professional development is never ending. It should never stop. I'm in my 50s. I'm still reading books like this. I'm still going to seminars. I'm still signing up for stuff online. I'm still signing up for webinars. I am uh, reading and consuming content at an unbelievable rate. I, I personally believe that I consume more printed content online and offline now than I would have if I would have finished college, right? And I look at how far I've gotten without a college degree. And I think that's because people recognize that, you know, I, I am a leader type person. I'm someone that is gonna keep pouring in and keep going and keep pushing. I'm looking at the time and I'm, I'm gonna try and honor our time and make sure that we're done here by uh, four o'clock my time, which will be, you know, an hour for the call. But uh, I got it to page 12 here. And uh, he's talking about, you know, when the leader sees when a leader sees the bandwagon, 
it's too late to lead. I want to think about that. What are you doing right now um, in the wake of this coronavirus? It's a fair question. Let's just give a moment about that. Since they've announced the coronavirus, whether, you're a, whether you are a paid leader or not, okay, since they've announced the coronavirus, what steps have you taken so far? The reason I say it like I do and the reason I make it so serious, and oh my goodness, you know, I said I, we were gonna have fun with this. So let's have fun, right? If, if say there's a big swath change and, and people start doing a bunch of seminars or a bunch of online courses or a bunch of, you know, mail order do-it-yourself kits on how to build wagons and bicycles or something, right? I mean, just pick whatever might come up, right? Building computers, building gaming computers. Um, doing a bunch of virtual meetups, right? Like, so running Zoom meetings and doing like um, speed dating online or, or, you know, there's all kinds of things that you can do. So let's say that, that, that something really is a breakout category and a bunch of people jump on the bandwagon and start running with it, okay? And then you're thinking, well, I'm a leader. I want to jump in. I want to lead something. I want to do it. I'm going to do that too. I'm going to do speed dating online. Well, if there's already a bandwagon of people that have jumped on a bandwagon to do speed dating that way, they're not going to go this, they're not going to go, I'm trying to point on the screen. They're not going to go that way. Right. Um, like if I thought it would be a great idea to start selling books online and I started trying to sell books online right now and make my millions selling books online. Do you think I have a prayer? No, cause I'd be competing with Amazon and Amazon has, you know, by far and large, they have established themselves as the professionals at selling books online. I mean, ask Barnes and Noble what it's like to try and sell books online, right? I mean, they do it, but I think in comparison to Amazon, it's, it's a struggle when you start looking at the numbers. Hmm. You know, I applied for a job with these folks, uh, rain body fuel, rain. Yeah. Rain total body fuel. And I've been hooked on it ever since. I thought, well, if I'm going to apply for the job, I should probably drink the stuff. And then I uh, started drinking it, and I'm hooked on it. I think it's absolutely great. Uh, that's a plug right there, right? Uh, I, I actually tagged them on social media, hashtag job stalker, uh, because I thought, you know, they should certainly hire me for a brand manager position. But uh, haven't heard from them yet. Ding, ding, hint, hint, note, note. But um, back to the book. Um, he talks about some layered learning and he talks about different things like that. And then he talks about move forward courageously in the midst of uncertainty. And this is on page 15 and I'm going to keep calling out pages because I'm hopeful that people will see this and they'll get the book and then they'll want to jump in and follow along on the Manana No Mas learning site. Okay. And that's a free course. It's a free mastermind sign up course. I'm not charging anything. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Okay. So, on page 15, it says, move forward courageously in the midst of uncertainty. And bear with me, I'm going to try and read this uh, quickly. It says, life expands or shrinks in proportion to our courage. When leaders fail to make a necessary leadership because of fear or uncertainty, think coronavirus, right? It only increases their fear, which results in frustration. The greater the inaction of the leaders, the more opportunities they lose because opportunities are always surrounded by uncertainty. All good things include uncertainty and overcoming uncertainty requires courage. I really, really like reading what John has put here 
And he refers to a lot of other authors in his works. He's not afraid to share the glory with some people. Uh, in the next paragraph, uh, he refers to a guy named uh, Brad. I'm going to murder the last name. I think it's Lomnik. Uh, Brad Lomnik says, I like what Brad Lomnik said about courage in, in his book, The Catalyst Leader. He quoted my friend Andy Stanley, a wonderful leader who founded North Point Church. Andy was speaking to catalyst leaders, but his words also described leaders who leadership. And this is what Andy Stanley said and was quoted by Brad Lomnick, and which will be quoted here on this Facebook Live. It says, many, many great things have begun with a single act of courage. Throughout history and today, a person steps out and makes one courageous decision, and that one domino starts many other dominoes falling. We have to step out, and we have to take the first step. We may, and we may never know the ripple effect of that one courageous decision. Catalyst leaders, your decision to do something courageous may result in something greater than you ever imagined. Step out. Now, I wanted to share that because people are acting bunkers nuts right now with this coronavirus thing. I mean, one trip to the food store and, you know, no meat, no toilet paper, no nothing. I mean, what did people wipe their butts with for the last three months that the, that the shelves were full? What did people eat for the last three months when I went to Albertsons and the meat counter was full, right? It's like, where did everything go? What do you think's going to happen? And so when I see people reacting that way, I think, how can I make a positive step? And so this live call, this, this course that we're putting into the Manana Nomas Learning Site is, is my attempt to be courageous and step out and be a calm, rational leader to try and inspire you to be a calm, rational leader. And just think of, of all the small groups, all of the little niches, all of the office parties, all of the small businesses, medium-sized businesses. Think of all these little clusters of people that are dying for a real leader to step up and go, hey, bro, we got it. Let's just move on. Let's do this thing, right? And it says, uh, just like a domino, right? You can have a domino effect, a ripple effect that causes other people to fall forward in success. And so that's what I'm hoping to do uh, through this effort. It says here, fear and leadership usually is connected to the uncertainty about the future. And I don't think that could be truer than right now. Okay. I have no idea when school is going to open. I have no idea when business is going to be back to normal again here in town. But I do know that the rent in Southern California is between two and $5,000 a month. I do know that the average car payment in Southern California is over $400 a month. I do know that utilities can run you three to $500 a month, right? So all of these things are still trickling along, right? The timer is still going off on your finances. But if you're not actively producing or working, then where does that stress come from, right? That uncertainty that we're talking about. So it says fear and leadership usually is connected to the uncertainty about the future, but uncertainty about the future is never going to go away. So key point, uncertainty about the future is never going to go away. Now, uncertainty now might be amplified because of our current situation, but the future is never certain. So once you assign yourself to the idea that the future is never certain, the amplitude of uncertainty is something that, you know, you can resonate with, but don't let it overwhelm you. Okay. Stay calm, breathe, relax, fail forward, right? Let things happen. It says uncertainty gives you job security. Whenever there is uncertainty, 
there will always be a need for leaders, which means always stepping out into the unknown, always requiring courage. I love those two paragraphs. And whether it was something John shared with me through this book or something that Andy Stanley shared with people long ago, I think that those two paragraphs speak volumes right here, right now. Um, Betty Bender, former president of the Library Administration and Management Association said, anything I've ever done that ultimately was worthwhile initially scared me to death. I want to talk about that. Anything I've done that ultimately was worthwhile initially scared me to death. Almost a month ago now. Oh my goodness. I was at a Jake Ballantyne uh, speaker, authors and coaches summit, right? It's a great organization. So if you have not yet seen the Jake Ballantyne speakers, authors and coaches uh, network on Facebook, it's a great thing to join in. Uh, the leadership quality in there is fantastic and the community is, is wonderful. Um, but he had challenged people to go Facebook live and to do talks like what I'm doing now. And, and people were panicked. They were like, I can't do it. I can't go online. I'm so scared. I'm scared to death. I don't want to do it. And by the end of that three days, everybody's online having Facebook lives and smiling over people's shoulders and having a good time. And it's not about being conceited or grabbing the spotlight. It's about having a message you need to communicate. And right now, people need to communicate positive messages. And so I think that that is a, a thing that, that people really need to do. Now it says on page 16, near the halfway down, it says, realize today's best will not meet tomorrow's challenges. No matter how good today is, there's going to be a bigger challenge tomorrow. And you have to recognize that. So how do you approach that mindset? And I see that we're coming up on time, so I'll make this quick. It says, learn something new, try something different, find something better, see something bigger. I'm going to say that again, okay? It says, realize that today's best will not meet tomorrow's challenges. So what do we need to do, right? And I highlighted this. Learn something new, try something different, find something better, or see something bigger, right? When, ask yourself, when's the last time you saw something bigger for the first time? I remember the first time I was driving through Colorado and I came up over the ridge and in the valley underneath the ridge, you know, you could see all of South Park. And every time I would drive over that hill and I would see that or ride my motorcycle, oh, I used to have an R1. I'd ride the R1 up over there, you know, and I'd be, you know, strafing the countryside, just going fast as I want, right? Over the top of the hill. And every time I would come over that hill and see that valley open up underneath me, it would just take my breath away. I would gasp at it, you know, like, so when's the last time you saw something bigger than yourself, you know? And it's like, drive for that, be driven, try to attain those things. Um, we're coming up on an hour and I really want to thank folks. If you have uh, gotten any value out of this time, if, if you see any positivity here, if you see anything that's going to assist you or assist others in dealing with what's going on right now, I'm going to implore you to follow the Manana No Mas Facebook page. There's not that very many people in it right now. I'll tell you that. I mean, it's, it's not a huge success community wise. And I'll admit that right up front. But this is the opportunity for this to grow. Um, I'd really like to share this mes message of positivity. Pardon me. I'd really like to share this message of um, unity, positivity, overcoming, dealing with stuff, getting online, getting virtual, helping people find success when success seems so hard right now. And I think that the ability is there. The next thing we're going to cover is Soloist to Conductor, Chapter 2. Uh, again, 
the details to order the book through Amazon, I put right into the initial invite on the Manano Namas Facebook page, on the uh, YouTube video that has the invite announcement, and I will have a follow-up announcement. Uh, I don't think we'll do this again tomorrow, but I think, why don't we do Thursday? Thursday around three o'clock, and uh, three o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Uh, I will set this up, and Thursday we'll do chapter two. All right? Um, you might not have a chance to get the book through Amazon uh, by then, but just like you saw me cover chapter one today, I will go through and cover chapter two on Thursday. Uh, God love you. And uh, you know what? If you want to sign out now, you can sign out now or turn it off. I don't want to make others uh, uncomfortable that aren't into it, but I would like to take a moment and pray for us if that's okay and close out in prayer and end the meeting. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for the time, for the fellowship. Uh, for people that we can share with. I know that these times are trying. Father God, I know that uh, know that this can be scary for folks to be locked at home or businesses closed or um, things that they just can't wrap their heads around, things they can't comprehend. And I know that some people are freaking out, as evidenced by shopping carts full of toilet paper leaving the store. Um, Father, I, I pray for those people. I pray for folks to find calmness, to find evenness, to find a, 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 a temperament that matches the situation. Uh, Father, I also know that there's gonna be stress inside people's homes, you know, kids that wanna do this, kids that wanna do that, uh, people that might wanna go somewhere. And, and Father God, I understand that uh, being confined can be a challenge in itself. Father, I know we talked about social separation. I know that we talked about uh, different anxieties about being out with other people. And Father, I pray for those folks that uh, have the ability and, and, the, and the strength to get out to do that. Father, I know myself, I'll be bicycling. Uh, people that run can run, people that can hike can hike. And you know, Father, this is a great time to get uh, back to your creation and to enjoy what you've made. Uh, Father, there's also the ability for people to get virtual and get online and find success uh, in the things that they feel might help them overcome these challenges. Father, I pray for those. I pray for people in my own health selfishly. And uh, Father, I pray that this group would continue to grow, that Manana the Mas would grow, and that the study of this book would be seen as a positive event. Father God, in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, folks, I appreciate your time. And I'm going to go ahead and close this meeting out. I will see you Thursday at 3 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And we will jump into Chapter 2. Bye-bye.